We have a dispatch from the NFL owners meeting. Los Angeles is in doubt as a World Cup host and later we'll hear from the editor-in-chief of Sports Illustrated. It's Thursday, October 19th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter and this is Front Office Sports Today. The NFL owners have been meeting to shape the future of the country's dominant sports league. Our own Eric Fisher has been on the scene and he joins us now. Welcome, Eric. Hello. So let's start with Amazon. Uh, It seems like the league is happy with the results with Thursday Night Football so far. That would actually be an understatement. They're they're really, really happy that uh, through five games uh, of Thursday night football that they've done, uh, they're averaging 13.6 million viewers, which is up by about 4 million from the full season average uh, last year. Um, but beyond that big increase, uh, what really has the league excited is that that starts to look like much closer to a traditional TV number for the league. Overall, the league is uh, their regular season average is just over 17 million this year. So there's a little bit of a ways to go. But last year, similar numbers uh, overall. But, you know, when Amazon's doing a lot of sub 10 million numbers, there's a big delta. And there was, you know, a very sort of distinct difference between a streaming audience and a TV audience. And now those two things are becoming much more alike. And that was really the bet of the Amazon deal in the first place. Um, they thought it would take some time to play out, but here we are not, not even halfway through year two. And there was some real similarity beginning to emerge there. Yeah. And I remember um, in the year when we were seeing the first year numbers of the Amazon deal, it was always caveated of, you know, these were actually we're happy with these. But one of these things is not like the other. It's uh, they were significantly below. And some of that, I think, is just people getting on the platform, figuring out how to watch, coming to terms with the fact that if they want to watch football on Thursdays, they they need an Amazon Prime account. Um, another we t- touched on this yesterday uh, off your reporting, but I was struck by the NFL not just allowing but encouraging uh, active players to participate in the flag football Olympic Games. Yeah, so there's still some work to be done here. There's a lot of other key stakeholders that need to be brought in and agreements that need to be struck, notably the NFL Players Association governing bodies such as USA Football. Uh but the, the goal is to create a, a distinct pathway to have then current players in 2028 be able to participate uh, should they choose to do so and qualify for the team to be able to get into these Los Angeles Olympics. Uh, and this was sort of the premise all along here is that if you're going to make flag football an Olympic sport and try to make this a big global thing, what better way to do it than have the NFL's top athletes you know, in that shining moment, it's sort of like the NFL's own version of a dream team type situation. And we saw what the dream team, original dream team in 1992 did both for Olympic basketball, the Olympics themselves and the NBA. Everybody sort of won from that situation. And you may not have quite the same lightning in a bottle moment here with NFL players and flag football, but conceptually, there's a lot of similarity there. Right. And if you look at how prominent European players are in today's NBA, a lot of that starts with that 1992 moment uh, with the dream team. Um, Spain and Brazil, we've already heard, are in discussion for hosting NFL games. Anything uh, new to report there? 
So we're getting closer to a decision on that. That there there is a essentially an open slot in the uh, in the uh, international game roster for next season, the 2024 regular season. There'll be two games in London, not counting what the Jaguars do under their separate deal, uh, but there'll be two games in in London that the league will do. There'll be another one in Munich as part of that four-year rotational plan in Germany. And because the league can't go back to Mexico with Estadio Azteca and Mexico City still under renovation for the upcoming World Cup, there's essentially an open slot here. And and the consideration is uh, foremost around Spain and Brazil with a decision towards the end of the regular season, December, January, that kind of time frame might bleed into the first part of the playoffs as we get towards uh, the end of the season and um, into key time for schedule construction time. So we're not that far away. It's a handful, a matter of weeks, essentially, before we know something for sure. But in either instance, if the if the league does go to Spain or Brazil, it's going to open up another huge market. There's league activities, obviously, there already in terms of fan development. But get, actually doing a regular season game there, as we've seen in Germany, just takes it to a whole other level. And that's the kind of thing that they would like to see. There's been huge numbers in Germany in particular, good numbers in England as well. Well, but the Germany numbers have just been astronomical, and the NFL would love to see that in one of these other two countries. Yeah, that was striking to to see the response, both the numbers, but also just the fan engagement last year in Germany. I also like that the Jaguars like don't even count anymore. Like, yeah, yeah they're in London; they're just doing their thing. That's kind of it's, second it's home. just a separate deal that they've right, done right, yeah. as a par- as opposed to this overall league run international effort. Right. Yeah. And uh, last thing, Roger Goodell's contract has been. Yeah. Renewed three more years through 2027. I think we all expected this, but any anything to yes. add there? Yeah, the real kind of takeaway from me on that, and I asked him directly about this, is what happens in 2027? Is this definitively the end point? And he wouldn't say. And even the and I talked to owners about this as well. And basically the feeling is Roger's feeling great. There's a lot to be done. There's a lot of aspirations there. So the the, the plan is to play out this three-year contract term, and they'll see where everybody's at at that point. Um, you know, he'll be 68 at that point. Um, but right now, looks good, feels good. You know, everything's kind of swimming along here. And so that was one of the big things that really jumped out to me, that this is not necessarily the end of Roger Goodell, that there could be even more beyond 2027. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Eric Fisher, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Always a pleasure. It hasn't been a great last two years for Peloton, but they still have almost 7 million users. And now those who subscribe to Peloton and NBA League Pass will be able to bring the two of those together. Whether you're biking, rowing, or treadmilling, you'll be able to watch NBA and WNBA games while you do it. And this is not just Peloton getting in on live sports. This is the NBA getting in on fitness. Peloton will provide content for NBA fitness, which is now a thing. The NBA wants to bring you into its ecosystem by offering workout routines, mental health videos, and even things like videos of Steph Curry's workout drills, which if you do for 10,000 hours, you will become the best shooter of all time. As for Peloton, you can add this to the many deals they have struck, including ones with Lululemon, Athleta, and Hilton, in an attempt to stop their two-year slide. Since the start of 2021, their stock has fallen by 97%. 
Los Angeles was initially touted as one of the premier hosts of the 2026 World Cup, with SoFi Stadium, home of the Rams and Chargers, seen as a contender for the World Cup final. It appears it's no longer in the running for the final, and also appears that SoFi, and by extension Los Angeles, is in danger of losing the World Cup entirely, according to ESPN's John Sutcliffe and KTLA. The issue centers around whether the field is wide enough to host a World Cup game, and how easily it could be modified. Stan Kroenke, who owns SoFi, the Rams, and Arsenal, among many other properties, is reportedly not thrilled about ponying up for the renovations. If SoFi can't host and FIFA doesn't replace it with another LA venue, then the second biggest market in the US and the host of the 2028 Olympics would miss out on the World Cup. Up next, I spoke to Sports Illustrated Editor-in-Chief Steve Canella. SI is one of the oldest brands in sports media, but it has been through some dramatic changes in recent years which have completely reshaped how they approach sports journalism. We spoke about that and plenty more, and that conversation is coming up next. All right. Very excited to be joined now by Steve Canella, Editor-in-Chief at Sports Illustrated. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Owen. Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. So you handed over the reins to Jimmy Butler, who served as a guest editor on your NBA preview issue. What was it like working with Jimmy? It was great. I got to take the whole month off. Uh, just sat back, let Jimmy take the reins. No, um, no. It was look. It was it was a really it was a fun experience, and we, this is an idea we've been kicking around um, for a while, um, and we were really excited we were able to make it work with Jimmy. Um, you know, this, this summer and early fall. And, you know, it, it started with the idea that it's not a mystery to anyone. Jimmy's kind of got this most interesting man in the NBA persona about him, not just what he does on the court and then within the NBA, but um, his life off the court as well. And, you know, I think it, it plays into a little bit about how we approach, um, you know, especially what we do in the magazine at SI now is we're, we're monthly, we're not a weekly than what we used to be. Um, you know, we're less driven by, let's call it news events and news coverage. And what we try to focus on are, you know, finding really unique angles into the sports world that we can bring our audience, whether it's behind the scenes access, whether it's an interesting point of view. Um, and that's why, why we thought Butler was a, a good... Good choice for this project, which was, you know, is our NBA preview. And we thought who, who better, you know, how, how better to get kind of a unique look at what's going on in the NBA, um, than have someone on the inside sort of give his, give us his thoughts on, uh, what we should be covering and, and, and what to expect in the, in, in the season ahead. So, um, it was really fun. It was really interesting. Jimmy was, Jimmy was, uh, it was a lot of fun to work with. Um, and you know, both what's in the magazine, what we got, uh, video, social, uh, what we put online, um, worked out really well. So Jimmy, Jimmy's welcome back to have my job anytime he wants. <laughs> All right. Well, he, he might just take you up on that. Um, <laughs> and I'm curious, uh, well, first of all, what kind of perspective he brought? Did, was he shining a light on stuff that you might not normally bother to go toward? Yeah, so we started with you know we we started with like sitting down with him. It was like Jimmy, what we're not expecting him to look. Up. Let's be honest, he was not in the it's office. Not copy oh, editing. He was not marking up layouts and things like that. Copy editing. But we said, look, what if we if we're going to cover the NBA, if we're going to talk about what's hap- what's what's interesting in the NBA this coming season, what should we be leaning into? So, um, you know, in addition to a lot of the things that were sort of personal to him, um, you know, he highlighted what you know. We asked him what are the what are the storylines we need to watch out for. Not a surprise, he went right to the 
the in-season tournament, which uh, without giving anything away, he's, let's just say he's not the world's biggest fan, probably. Uh, <laughs> um, not that he dislikes it, but you know, a great quote, you know, he's, you know, something along the lines of, uh, you can call it a tournament, but to, to him, it's just anytime he's on the court, he's trying to win. So it's just a game to him and you can put whatever window dressing you want around it. But I think I got the sense, we, we got the sense he sort of thinks it might be a little bit of a gimmick and a distraction. Um, you know, there's a piece in there on, um, you know, his choice for the non-spolster division, his choice for who the best coach in the NBA is, his choice for a uh, rookie to watch, that kind of thing. We talked about the NBA, uh, MVP conversation a little bit. Um, got into a lot of his interests off the court, which I think were interesting in that, you know, it was sort of a window into not just him, but how NBA players sort of think outside of the world of basketball. And we all it's no secret that he got into coffee and the bubble, and we all we all remember those stories. Believe it or not, there was some coffee talk in the in, in our conversations with Jimmy as well. Um, but yeah, you got he really got a sense that you know not just him, but these guys in the NBA they've got this world away from the court and away from basketball. And I would you know I don't want to say the most interesting stuff, but some of the really interesting stuff we got with Jimmy was him talking about not just the NBA, but um, we have him, we have a sidebar with him talking about his friendship with Carlos Alcaraz and how that came together. And, uh, and you know, in addition to all that, um, there's some nuts and bolts stuff in there. Like we, a standard of our previews is we talk to like anonymous scouts and they say, hey, give us your take on the on each division and the teams in the division. So we did that. And then Jimmy went in and read those and sort of added his commentary to some of those pieces and you know, told us what the guy, what the scouts got right, what they got wrong, you know, how, you know, where he would, where his opinions differ. So, um, yeah, when you add it all up, um, it's not just, you know, it, it's, it's all really good reading. It's all really exciting. It's really interesting, but it's, uh, yeah, it was just a fun way to approach uh, a preview preview package. Yeah, that's fun. For guest coach in the NBA, did he say something other than Eric Spolstra? Was, was he eliminated from <laughs> I'm the... Gonna, uh... I'm going to make people read the magazine. He okay, was, okay. Was, okay. Was, I'm was, intrigued. Was, he had Spolstra in a separate category. We'll okay, that, okay, fair. So. <laughs> um, all right. um, did, did that experience give you any thoughts on how you approach your work? Or is it um, was this more of a kind of unique experience that you'll now go back to your, uh, your regular day-to-day? Uh, look, I'm going to... We'll just say we have a deal. I won't <laughs> give Jimmy advice on how to play basketball, and he won't give me advice on how to be an editor. But uh, no, um, <laughs> I think seems fair. It does. I think the the, the experience. Look, I think, and we can we can get into this bigger picture outside of what we did with this um, <clears throat> with this particular package. You know what what SI is, especially as a magazine, but what we are on all platforms in the in the modern media landscape. Um, we have, you know, we need to approach things a little bit differently in the way we cover things than we have historically. And historically, if we were going to do an NBA preview, and this is true with the NFL, MLB, et cetera, et cetera, sure, we would add some personality in there, but it would have been very toss, pick and roll as possible to beat, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, what we're trying, what, what I really want to take, especially the magazine, um, but what we do on all platforms is, you know, take it to a place where we People can get that kind of stuff not at, you know anywhere, and we still provide that. We still provide really unique analysis in a very basketball sense, I think. But I think what our readers come to us for is, is the access and the personality that we can bring to. So what did I learn from this experience? It's not just um, that Jimmy is just as interesting as we thought he was going to be, but it's just a you know it, we're constantly looking for new ways to approach you know the way we cover sports. And I thought. Um, 
you know, in this experience uh, made me think it's, you know, it's something we can easily replicate with not just the guest editor model, but um, getting that athlete point of view in a different and unique way than what most of our audience usually sees, which is people talking in the locker room after a game. Um, I think it was really fun and it was really interesting. And I think it's something that uh, SI is uniquely positioned to uh, to deliver to people in, in the larger, you know, Media landscape. You have alluded to yeah some changes at at Sports Illustrated over the years. You know, going from weekly to monthly. It's obviously a legacy brand. You know, one of the first people think of when they think of long term sports media companies. Um, how has the the company changed? You know, as the media landscape has gone through some very drastic changes over the last few years. How long do we have? We're not the only ones. All of media is uh, so right, of course. Massive changes over the last couple of years. Um, look, I think uh, SI. We'll start with the magazine. Um, obviously, going from the weekly that many of us grew up with to a bi-weekly for a stretch there. Um, you know, between roughly 2017 and 2019, um, and then a monthly starting in 2020. Um, that, that drastically changes the, the type of product we have to put out and the type of magazine um, we, we people are expecting from us. Like I said, you know, SI once upon a time as a weekly, and this goes not just for SI, but it goes for, think of a classic weekly, Newsweek, Time, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we're very driven by news events. And there were, I've been at SI a long time. There were times in the weekly days, we used to go to press on Monday night, there were prime times when we would show up in the office on Sunday morning and not know what the cover was going to be <laughs> because we were very reactive and, and that was great. And and for the time and the place that worked really well and it produced a lot of iconic covers and obviously an iconic, iconic magazine. Um, what we are as a monthly magazine needs to be totally different. Um, we need to be much more forward looking. We need to be much more, as I said, personality, thematic driven. Um, no one's picking up that magazine to find out who won a game last week or, or, or last month. So um, but as a brand, you know, it's also important that you can't just be the brand that pops up on people's media radar, radar once a month. That's death in, in the modern game. So, you know, what we do what, and what we've really gotten good at over the last couple of years and, and, um, is, you know, I don't want to say we've increased our digital metabolism. We are, we've always had that, but in terms of growing our social footprint, in terms of growing our digital footprint over the last four years, um, I think we've gotten really, really, really good at sort of being in the moment in that digital and social conversation so that our brand is top of mind for um, sports fans on, on, on all sorts of platforms. And what we feel like, you know, what we feel like we can do is we can, if you're a sports fan and you're a sports media consumer, we can deliver what you need at every point on that content spectrum from a piece of social media content that's jumping off of, Taylor Swift's appearance in a booth two seconds ago to, you know, what you get when you pick up the magazine um, in, in, in three weeks. So um, I wouldn't say that's a huge change over the last couple of years because that's something we've always tried to do. But I think in the last four years, um, we've improved at every point in that spectrum, I think. And our digital, like I said, our digital audience has, has grown massively. Uh, our social print has grown massively. And uh, in switching from... Uh, switching the magazine to a, to a less frequent you know, to the monthly format, um, you know, our subscriber base is still really strong. The magazine is still really strong. So, um, I say that's the biggest change right now over the last couple of years is just the way we've sort of become 
a brand that the sports fan can, can find in every every place in the content spectrum where maybe 10 years ago that wasn't the case. Yeah. And speaking of that last four or five years, there were some dramatic changes around that point. I think it was in 2019, uh, Maven, now called the Arena Group, bought SI. And then uh, ABG, Authentic Brands Group, uh, the next year bought your, bought your licensing, which maybe doesn't affect your day-to-day as much. Um, what kind of ethos or approach has has the arena group, arena group brought in um and yeah how, how's that changed operations with you yeah i think it's just just and so just to clarify one thing authentic brands actually they bought the brand first and then uh, maven now arena they licensed the op- the media operation from abg so um that's that's the nuance there so i think yeah i think working with the arena group um a lot of those changes and those improvements that we've seen uh, in terms of, you know, our digital growth, our social growth, um, I think Arena has brought, um, you know, I don't want to say a different mindset. That was always something that was important to us, but they've kind of turbocharged our growth, our, our growth in those in those areas. Um, they've also brought, you know, with our sort of. Um, our network of team sites, it's, it's, it's called Fan Nation. They're, they're independent publishers, but they're on the SI domain. So that's another diff, another change, and that has helped drive our growth in a lot of different ways is in addition to, you know, what SI brings from a national standpoint and national coverage, national voices, you know, great authority, you know, authorities in their given sports, whether it's Pat Forty, Tom Producci, Stephanie Epstein, John Wertheim, I can go down the line. Um, now we're also meeting... The audience uh, at the extremely local level. If you're if you're a Cowboys fan, if you're a Chiefs fan, if you're a Colorado fan, um, believe it or not, that's one of our fastest growing team sites. Um, yeah, I do believe that <laughs> these days. Um, you know, now we again we're, we're bringing not just that national perspective, but that you know really high metabolism, um, highly detailed, highly focused local coverage too. So that's that's one piece that we didn't have. Uh, in the pre-arena group days, so um, yeah, it's been there. Have been a lot of changes. Um, there was a time there, and there were, there was a little bit of corporate upheaval there for for a time. Yeah, there's some changeover. I understand, yeah, you know, a fair amount of turnover, yeah. and that reflects, you know, not just what was going on with SI, but I think you know a lot of changes around the industry as well, and the way audience trends have been changing too. Um, but you know, all in all, I think we've 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 hit our stride pretty well with. Uh, in both the authentic and the ABG eras. Actually, before you go, um, can we get a, a pick? Give us a, a champion for for some league. You know, can we, they're kind of all going right now. So, where you can give me all all four or um, maybe anyone you want. Who anything you feel strongly about? All right. Well, let's go. Uh, let's go the most immediate first. I think Phillies are winning the World Series. Is that going out on a limb right now? The way they're playing? Yeah, uh, not, not right now. No, <laughs> <laughs> they keep hitting like four home runs every day. That's you know Phillies that'll work. Great. Going with Phillies for the World Series, and um, let's say uh, I think I see a rally coming. I see Joe Burrow getting healthy. I'm going Bengals for the Super Bowl. See if I feel good about that in four months. <laughs> yeah. Steve Canella with the hot takes. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thanks, Owen. Good seeing you. That's it for today. Subscribe to FOS Today on the podcast app of your choice and leave us a rating or review while you're there. It will help other people find the show. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow.